I want you to go in your Bible to the book of John, and we're going to go to the 21st chapter of John. I'm going to preach what I think is one of the strangest words that I think that I have, but I know that I've heard from God. I can't shake it off, and I'm just going to declare it anyway. And we're going to look at something. This I was reading this passage recently, and this verse just keeps ringing. The story, so that you'll know, is the story that really talks about Peter's restoration and uh, Jesus appearing to his disciples. It's in the last chapter of the book of John. The disciples, Jesus has appeared to them a couple times, and this is the third time now that Jesus is appearing to his disciples. And, and so the Bible gives it very clearly. He said he appeared to them this way. And while the disciples gathered, I'm going to paraphrase because I got too much verse that I want to share and I don't want to spend time reading, that Simon Peter and the disciples are at the Sea of Tiberias and Peter says this, I'm going to go fishing. And so does all the rest of them. So we go fishing. They've launched out. They fish through the night and nothing has happened and in the morning time, Jesus appears on the shore to him. And Jesus shouts out to the, to the fishermen, to those that were in their boats, Hey, do any of you have any food? Or the King James Version says it like this. Do any of you have, have you gotten any meat? And they said, no, we have labored all night. We've fished all night, but we've caught nothing. And Jesus gives them an instruction. He says, cast your net on the right side of the boat. And when they cast their net on the right side of the boat, that all of a sudden their net was filled with fish. That it took the rest of them to come together to begin to get this, this load of fish in. And somebody said, who is that? And the, the disciple, as the scripture would say, whom Jesus loved, no doubt he loved all of them, but this is how he identified himself, or John was identified through the scripture several times. John said, it is the Lord. And Peter, on the front end of his boat, holding on to the net, had, had his, I guess, down to barely hardly anything on. One translation would say he was naked. I don't think he was naked. It really doesn't matter. But when he heard that Jesus was on the shore, he put on his coat, which really messes with my mind. He puts on his outer garment and he jumps into the, to the water and he begins to swim to the shore, pulling the net of fishes with him. And the Bible said that there were numbered in the net 153 great fish that are in the net. And Jesus already said, come and dine with me. How many of you remember that old song? Come and dine, the master calleth, come and dine. You may feast at Jesus' table all the time. He who fed the multitude turned the water into wine. To the hungry call it now, come and dine. I don't know why songs like that come to my head. They just pop up. Hadn't sung it in many years. So he said, bring some fish with you. But what they recognize is that Jesus has already got a campfire and he's already got breakfast going. He says, come and eat with me, but I want you to bring some fish with you. 
So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Peter, as Peter is sitting down close to him, now I'll read some passage so that I read it exactly right. He said, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? And he said, yes, Lord. You know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. Or the King James would say, feed my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said it to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Most surely I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and Another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. Then he spoke signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. And then Peter, turning around, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following, whom also had leaned on his breast at supper. And he said, Lord, who is the one who betrays you? And Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, but Lord, what about this man? Jesus said, if I will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? Follow me. I want to speak to you on something. I, I, I'm not good at titles. I don't know why I'm preaching to this message, but I believe there's somebody here that God wants to touch in a very special way. I want to talk to you this morning about redeemed, restored, or renewed. Redeemed, restored, or renewed. This is a story of a man that has failed. A man that has tripped up in his journey with the Lord. And he felt like within himself, unworthy, felt like within himself, will I ever be able to be who God intended for me? I'm just paraphrasing as I would think Peter would think. I, that maybe he even felt like there was absolutely really no hope for him that Jesus would have nothing to do with him from this moment. But as we end this story, or as this story's ended through the eyes of, of John the writer, he ended it with Peter's restoration he, re he ends it with Peter being renewed and he had to speak something to Peter because of all the disciples I believe it was Peter probably the most boisterous it was Peter that was the guy that was out the front it was Peter that would probably thought he would never ever trip up and fail but nonetheless he did and he's always concerned about what's going to happen to somebody I'm more convinced today it was Peter that would would think that he was the greatest among all the disciples and he's asking Jesus this as Jesus sees John well I know how I'm going to die but what about him and notice these incredible words he said Peter what is that to you why are you worrying about everybody else's life when you got some issues of your own you got to deal with and we need to get taken care of he said just follow me just follow me. 
I heard a long time ago a saying, I don't know if she could put that up. Maybe you did. If you didn't, it's all right, Miss Mindy. I heard an old saying years and years ago that I've never forgotten that says something like this. To become a Christian is the experience of a moment. But to be a Christian is the experience of a lifetime. I'm constantly one to believe in my, I guess, in my belief of the Bible that we are constantly being, I'm going to say it like this, we're constantly being saved even though when I'm born again, I'm on my way to heaven. But this flesh, this, this carnal man, this old earthly man is constantly being renewed day by day by day. And it must be. Matter of fact, Paul said it like this. He said, we're to be renewed in the spirit of our mind. I don't know that there's anybody in this room that has totally arrived. Sorry, I'm not here to put you down. As much as I think there's greatness in this room and a lot of wonderful people. I don't know about you, but I have some bad days from time to time. I do. I have some moments that, can I be vulnerable as pastor? There's some thoughts that run through this head that are just not godly. And I know y'all stay in the spirit all the time and your minds are really clear. But I have some stuff in this flesh and in my head and in my mind that I have to battle from time to time. I'll get up even in a moment sometime and I don't even know if I'm born again or at least that's what I feel if I trusted my soul, my mind, will, and emotion. Sometimes I just don't feel, I don't feel like that. I come into service and I watch all of you jumping around in the Holy Ghost and all of these revelations and I can't find anything. Or I'm in my journey and after being here all of these years, I still find myself stumbling. I still find myself catching my toe and tripping somewhere. I like the verse that says this. I like the verse, I think it was the psalmist said, though a righteous man falls seven times, he is not utterly cast down. Though he falls seven times, I'm not giving anybody a license to sin, a license to fail, but I'm here to declare unto you that the God that we serve is always in the process of restoring us and renewing us because he has redeemed us. So for a few moments, let me walk through the life of Peter. Can we do that? Because I believe Peter was an ordinary man just like you and I are. I don't believe there was anything special about Peter, why God chose Peter. He was a fisherman. After all, if I think if I was going to have people carry on my, my kingdom business, I think I would have gone out and found me some people that had built a few things. But to go by somewhere and just find a common, ordinary fisherman and say, follow me, that's what happened. Matthew chapter, for your sakes, Matthew chapter 4, verse 18, the first disciple called by Jesus was Peter. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers. Simon called Peter. Peter's name means a rock. 
He was before he was identified as Peter. He would be known more, I guess you could say, Simon Peter or Simon Barjona or Simon of this region or of this family line. Simon simply means hearing. But Peter heard the voice of God call to him and said, Follow me. May I tell all of us in this room this morning this Christian walk, this Christian life is not a marathon. This Christian life, it's not, a, is that the right word? It's not, a, it's not a speed contest. It's not who's going to get there. It is a lifetime journey as long as you're on this planet. And the first thing that Peter had to do was to make a decision that I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to step into the plan and to the path of the Lord. It's a journey. It's a journey. And we're full of purpose. I know every one of us, I've heard every message under the sun about purpose and destiny. You got a destiny. And we're all looking for a destiny. And some of us feel like we're never, ever going to get there. May I tell you, I believe we have made just a little bit of error. That the destiny that I have in my life is not the end of the matter. But I have destiny all along my journey. That I don't even realize I'm a purpose of God, whether I fully understand it or not. But I am the purpose. You're the purpose that God was looking for. It's Christ in you. It's God in you. And he's having you in places of destiny every day as you just continue to go about your journey. Look at your neighbor and say, this is a journey. So when Peter made a decision he was going to follow Jesus, it took him into another part of his journey. Because to be a Christian, remember, is the experience, to become one is the experience of a moment. But to be one is the experience of a lifetime. Peter went from learning how to fish because Jesus said, I'm going to make you fishers of men. Now he had to learn a whole new way of living. So many times we don't give Brand new Christians, a lot of time to get their act together and you expect them to live in a moment what you have walked out in 40 years. And if we're not careful, we condemn them and push them out the door before they ever get started or they feel like they have no hope because when they get around you and they see how perfected you are, they feel all so, so imperfect but not realizing that, wait a minute, I just didn't get up and reach this moment. I've had 64 years to get where I am today from the moment that I was born again that my mama would speak the word over me and my mama would teach me and sing songs while I laid in her lap even when I was a child as I grew up and I got into the lives of others and teachers and different ones begin to speak to me. It is a lifelong learning experience to walk with Jesus. I don't know it all. I don't know it all. I got some real scholars in here can tell you about everything, but nobody really knows it all. And may I tell you this, even for us at Mature, you know, this is hard to keep it for everybody to receive something, and I'm doing my best. But you know, I've learned this over the years. The Lord showed me even in the ministry. I follow a lot of people. 
I don't have one favorite preacher. I've got a lot of favorites, but I've learned something. Not one of them have everything within them that they need, nor do I need. I've got to be in the process of learning from other sources and other people that have things that they don't have. Hello. We can learn from everybody. So Peter starts following Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. Jesus is teaching them. Look at your neighbor and say, it's a lifelong journey of learning. And maybe just because I heard it doesn't mean I got it. And maybe because I know it doesn't mean I understand it. Now it sounds like I'm being negative. I'm really not. I'm, I'm wanting us to see something through this journey. Maybe why one, one great man of God that I would have dreamed would have never failed, failed. I'm talking about Peter. Maybe why he come to that point that he denied the Lord. Maybe there was something more that we need to look at through his life that would help us that when we fold or when we crumble or when we stumble we have hope that we can have another day so he comes off the mountain of of education in Matthew chapter 5 6 and 7 Matthew chapter 8 Jesus takes him out and says okay guys walk with me I'm going to show you some stuff I'm going to introduce you to the blessings of the kingdom i'm going to introduce you to the to the authority of the kingdom and as they go he begins to cast out demons and as they go he begins to heal the sick as they go they begin to see jesus in light not like they've seen him at this moment he just taught them but now they're seeing him in a different light and kind of find it interesting to me that of all the places that he could go peter I want to go to your house. I want to go to your house. I believe he's speaking to us something there that God wants to have an intimate, personal relationship with you that whatever concerns you concerns him. Hello. So when he gets to Peter's house, he finds that his mother-in-law is living with him and his mother-in-law is sick. And Jesus heals him. He heals him. And that's, heals her and then leaves. But of all the places that he could have gone, I want to come into your home. I want to come and find out what is concerning you. I want to know what's in your heart. I want to know what's in your life. You have a personal God that wants to touch you and help you right where you are. So then he says, okay, we're going back to school. We're going learning some more. Just follow with me. So Jesus goes into this place in the book of Matthew chapter 10. After healing some folks, he looks at them. Matthew chapter 10. He says, now guys, I'm giving all of you authority. And I'm giving you authority to cast out demons just like I did. And I'm giving you authority to heal the sick just like you saw me. And then the Bible says in Matthew chapter 10, verse 2, if she could put that up for me. Now the names of the 12 apostles are these. The first Simon, who is called Peter. 
Now he moves him into a place of what I want to call of, of, of identity and discipleship. He moves him and he begins to direct them into their true identity. You're no longer going to act like the people of the earth. I'm setting you up because I've called you to walk somewhere greater than where you're walking. And of course, they go from there and they begin to go into the cities and that Jesus gave them direction and they begin to do exactly what he said. And when they come back to Jesus, this is what they said. Hey, master. Hey, master. Man, you won't believe this, but even the demons, even the demons are subject to us. And Jesus has to bring them back to earth. He said, wait a minute. I told you that before you ever went. I told you that before you ever left, that I gave you authority over them. He said, don't rejoice in the fact that they're subject to you because that's just your nature. It should be as, as common as you getting up and brushing your teeth or combing your hair, that you're doing the things that you do because this is who you really are. And he said, but don't rejoice in that, but rejoice in the fact that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And then they go further. Jesus goes to a mountain to pray and he says to his disciples, he said, get in a boat and go to the other side. I'll see you over there. They get in the middle of the night, as you would know. It's found in the book from Matthew. It's in the book of Matthew 14 or 15, somewhere thereabouts. He gets them in the boat. They go to the other side. The storm comes up. And while they're looking for land, Jesus comes off the shore. He walks out a distance away from him. And I believe they're all looking. I, think they're, I don't think they're looking for Jesus. I think they're looking for land personally because they're in the middle of a storm. Because the sea is incredibly rough and the waves are incredibly high. And somebody says, there's a ghost out there. And Peter looks and he said, no, that's not a ghost. That's Jesus. And he said, Lord, if it's you, bid me come. And you know the story that Peter bailed out of the boat and began to walk on the water. And as he began to walk towards Jesus, he was in a plane. He had never lived and never seen anybody else but Jesus do this. And he didn't see Jesus do it to that very moment. But now he's walking in a new level of faith that nobody else was walking in. He didn't get here overnight. He didn't get here the moment that he was called. Listen to what I'm telling you. <clears throat> Sometimes I know some people, I don't know why it is. I don't have all the answers that seem like have all the faith in the world. But some of us, it's, faith, it's a step of faith here and a step of faith here. It's, it's just going from level of level of level of level of faith. But Peter steps out of the boat and he begins to walk into the midst of the storm on the water until he gets. And I believe he's somewhere happy halfway between Jesus and the boat. And I believe he's walked into a place because he's not walking on smooth water. He's walking on the waves. And I believe he got down in a swell where he could no longer see the boat and he could no longer see Jesus. And at that moment, reality, in a sense, the world kicked in around him. And I believe he thought something like this, I shouldn't be here. And the moment he let his mind go there, he began to sink. And crying out, Jesus, save me. Jesus walks over to him, 
lifts him up, never stops the ocean. There's a principle here. God doesn't always stop your storms. Sometimes he just gives you the ability to walk through them. He reached down and he picked Peter up. And he said, why did you doubt? Oh, ye of little faith. We had a faith issue now. I wanted to walk through this thing. But my faith wasn't quite where it needed to be. But at least I tried. Nobody else got out of the boat. And Jesus took him by the hand. And they walked back to the ship. And I think it was only then that then the waves and the sea stopped. Don't beat yourself up because maybe you sunk stepping out in faith. We've all been there. But faith is like a muscle. If you don't exercise it, it won't grow. I really believe that. See, the enemy comes along and he just, well, if I just had the faith. If I just had, if I had this person's faith. If I had the faith of this and if I had, no. Start exercising the faith of where you are. Sometimes we fail and we fall and we stumble and crumble because we're trying to operate in the faith of somebody else that we heard. It would be real easy to say, you know, listening to Robert Morris, The Blessed Life. You know who I'm talking about? You've ever read his books? The Lord spoke to him a long time ago. Give everything you have away. Everything. Everything. Give it away. He didn't do it once. I think he'd done it several different times. I can read that book and be so inspired. And if I'm not careful, I'm going to live that way. And I'm going to give everything away. And then I wish I hadn't. <laughs> and maybe, because, maybe it's not that the principle wasn't right. Or maybe it wasn't. Maybe something for me in the future. But maybe I just haven't developed my faith that would allow me to stand and walk through the moment. Between the moment that I released everything and to see the manifestation of what God would bring through it. Because there's always a moment. From the moment you're here to there, I preach that I believe this past Wednesday night. There's always a process of getting you from here to there. Of getting from promise to possession. And without faith, you'll crumble. You'll stumble. Now listen, Jesus is not throwing lightning bolts at us because we have a bad day. He cried out, Jesus, save me. And Jesus went and lifted him up. I got to hurry. I got I to get this jet down. Matthew 16. They come to the sea, the coast of Caesarea Philippi. Jesus calls his disciples and he said, hey guys, who do men say that I am? Peter looks at him and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. He said, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father which is in heaven. Your name now will be called Peter, because upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against you. And I'm going to give you keys to my kingdom. Because of you walking in this revelation. 
Remember, he's walking. He's in a journey with the Lord. And a few moments later, Jesus is starting to talk about things that's getting ready to walk. He's getting ready to go through and he's getting ready to happen. And Peter says something to him. Let me find that passage in, in Matthew chapter 16. Jesus began to show things that he must suffer and from the elders and the chief priests. And verse 22 of chapter 20 of 16, Peter took him aside. I love that. Hey, Jesus, come with me. You're coming with me, young man. Get over here. He takes him aside and he begins to rebuke Jesus. Far be it from me that this stuff is going to happen to you. Wow. Pete's grown. He has matured beyond Jesus. Far be it from me that I'm going to let this happen to you. Look at what Jesus speaks to him. And he says, Peter, get behind me. Peter, get behind me. There's a time when we need to stay following and not get out in the front. He said, get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. Don't miss what he said to Peter. He said, Peter, I appreciate your heart. I appreciate your care for me. But you got your heart more and your mind more concerned about men than you do me. And my purpose. And my plan. Because Peter, I got to die. These things have got to happen, Peter. But Peter and his, his knowing... I, I'm not going to let this happen and I'm not going to be offended at you and I'm not going to. Jesus said, Peter, you're more mindful of the things of men. You know, sometimes even in a church, the reason it's so hard to see the things of God because we're so much mindful of everything around us other than, notice how he said it, you're mindful of men, not the things of God. It wasn't a love issue. We need to understand that. It wasn't a love issue. It was a mind. It was his thought process. It was a heart issue. I, I want to know the things of the Lord. Because see, sometimes even us as church and mature miss the things of God. When God said, I'm doing something new. When God said, I'm bringing change. When God said, I'm orchestrating things differently. When God says this, it's real easy for me and my flesh because I know what I like. I told you what I like a while ago. I know what I like, but if I don't keep my mind to what the Lord is saying, God, what are you doing? What are you saying? I may not fully understand everything, but I got to trust that the wisdom of God, the working of God is far greater than how I feel. And many times... Individuals and churches become shipwrecked because of the fact that we're really not mindful of God or the things of the Lord. Again, I want to say to you, it is not a love issue. If you asked everybody on the street, most people in our world, especially, you love Jesus? Yes. Do they live for Jesus? It's questionable. 
but everybody will love. And then Jesus takes them from there. They go to the Mount of Transfiguration. I, I may have to skip one or two here. And Jesus takes Peter, James, and John. Notice Peter is always with thee. Peter, I'm taking you to a higher place. I want to show you a plane that you're not looking through. And when Peter gets there, all of a sudden, Elijah and Moses shows up on the mountain. Both of these men were taken up or taken Elijah was. Moses was hid. He had died and his body was hid from the children of Israel. But he's standing now on the mountain of transfiguration, law and prophet. And Jesus is standing in the middle of him. And the Bible said that, his, that he glowed like the brightness of the sun. And I got a view of Peter, James and John that all three of them knelt down. And Peter's asking this question, Lord, is it really good for us to be here? And then he asked this question, should we build you a booth here? And it really, if I understand right, he was talking about because he was thinking it's feast time that maybe we ought, ought to build a booth that would be built in one of the times of feasting that would be unto the Lord. And Jesus said, no, Peter. Jesus was showing him far more. I want to show you something. I want you to learn to listen to my voice. And I want to tell you something. You're not just a follower, but I'm making you a son because a voice thunders out of the heaven said, this is my son. Hear him. I want you to hear. I want you to hear, Peter. I want you to hear from a different realm. And then in John chapter 13, Jesus is days away from going. Are y'all, can y'all give me just a few more moments? I promise you I'm getting this thing down. This is a jumbo today. Huge boy. Huge boy. Just come on back. It makes them feel better when you're up here, okay? <laughs> Jesus got his disciples in an upper room. He's told them to go gather. You're going to find this upper room. Make this meal. And Jesus comes in. The first thing that Jesus does, he takes off his robe. And he walks around and begins to wash the disciples' feet. And the scripture says that when he gets to Peter, he said, Lord, no, 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 you're not going. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Verse 8 of John 13. And Jesus answered and said, if I do not wash you, you have no part with me, Peter. Peter, you think you understand what's going on, but if you don't let me do this, See, every one of us needs the cleansing work of the blood. I believe every one of us need to go. I, I, I believe possibly every one of us need to every day just say, God, I, I thank you for cleaning me today. I, even though I'm born again and I'm on my way to heaven, I, I believe it would pay us as believers to say, God, because I know this flesh is weak and it's dirty. He said, Lord, I'll never let you. And he said, if I don't wash your feet, Peter, then you'll have no part with me. And then Peter said, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. That's an Old Testament reference from the book of, of Deuteronomy, I believe it is. I wrote it down. No, book of Exodus. That when the priests were anointed to go into the tabernacle, 
they had to be washed. They had to have their feet, their hands, and their head washed. And he was referencing, I, I know I could come into your presence, so just wash all of me. And Jesus, Jesus says, he who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. And talking about Judas, I believe. But he said, all of you are clean. In other words, because of that, I have a right to come into the presence of God. You and I can boldly come to the throne of grace because of what Jesus did for us. And then he begins to tell that he must die. And Peter says, Lord, I'll never deny you. And Jesus looks at him and says, before the cock crows, Peter, you're going to deny me three times. And Jesus says, come with me after singing a hymn. See, y'all think hymns are unscriptural. They're very scriptural. After singing a hymn with his disciples, they went into the garden. And when they got to the garden, he said, Peter, James, and John, you come with me. And they went a little bit further the rest. And Jesus began to agonize in the garden as he began to pray for that cup to pass by three times. Or two different times, Jesus went back to say, Hey guys, I need you. I need you. I, I need you praying. I, I need you standing with me, Peter. I need you standing with me, John. After the third time, an hour had passed, they come back and the disciples were asleep. And Jesus referenced the fact as they're in the garden, as they're in the garden, he referenced the fact. He said, sleep on now. Listen to what he's going to say. Your spirit is really willing, but it's your flesh that's weak. Let me help some of us. I know that there are struggles in this room with different ones, and I'm not giving license or am I strengthening that. But sometimes our flesh gets weak. Flesh that we haven't conquered yet. Flesh that we haven't overcome. I got to be honest with you. Man, if I walk in a donut shop, my flesh is going to get weak. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You think I'm joking. I'm, I'm not. I could, I could devour a donut shop in a moment. Especially when you don't eat them. And used to a lot. But I got to be honest, I've slipped once. I tripped. I stumbled. I had a moment of weakness. It wouldn't kill me. It wasn't going to send me to hell. My flesh just got weak. Every one of us in this room have to deal with this thing called flesh. Your spirit is willing. I'm sold out, dedicated. I'm committed all the way. But sometimes there's some weak areas that may not show up every moment, may not show up until put in the right thing. See, the donut didn't bother me until I got in the shop. I'm really going to push the envelope of my vulnerability and y'all can set me down if you want me to. I'm not ever tempted by drugs. Alcohol doesn't bother me. I've never had a, never had a drop. Don't want one. 
I don't care to smoke. None of that stuff bothers me. But as a man, there's times when a pretty face will walk past me or a pretty body. And my eyes, come on, y'all sit there and be holy if you want. But I'm being real. I have to get behind me, Satan. My flesh, my flesh starts crying out. My flesh, I know, maybe I, ought to, maybe I ought to have more freedom than that. Maybe I ought to be more holier than that. I'm working on it. Remember, this is a journey. Pastor, why are you saying that? Because I know where some of you guys are. I know where some of you are. I don't know if it happens to me, it happened to you. But he said, I know your spirit is willing, but your flesh is weak. That's why you're struggling to stay with me. And then a few moments later, here comes the soldiers to get Jesus. And while they're there to get Jesus, Peter pulls his sword and he swings it and cuts the ear off. Cuts the ear off of one of the soldiers. And Jesus says to Peter, put it up. Don't you know that I could call legions of angels to come and deliver me? Listen, church, I'm confident of this, that many of us are trying to fight a fight we're not called to fight. You're fighting an enemy. You're fighting what you're, they're touching. No, that's not your place. You're in fights that you don't need to be in. You're in battles that you don't need to be battling. I recently ministered a message here about picking our fights. I'm confident that sometimes, like Peter, we're willing to swell the sword at anything and everything that comes along. It's not my fight. This was Jesus' battle. He had heaven standing behind him. Peter was only creating issues. To pick, be careful with your battles. Then they take Jesus. In John chapter, in Matthew chapter 26, they take Jesus. Are you okay? Jesus has been led away, and Jesus, Peter's sitting outside around the the campfire while they're tormenting Jesus and while he's in the courtyard a servant girl came and said hey you were with Jesus but he denied it before all of them nope got the wrong guy I do not know what you're saying and when he had gone out the gateway another girl saw him and said hey this fellow also followed Jesus no, you've got the wrong person. And another person came and stood by him and said, Surely you are one of them, for your speech betrays you. You sound like him. Then he began to swear and curse and say, I do not know who you are, man. And immediately the rooster crowed. And Peter ran out and he wept bitterly and sorely at what had happened. Jesus dies resurrected. 
First person that Jesus wanted to see was Peter. First person he wanted to know resurrection had come to was Peter. Nobody could have denied him any greater than what Peter just did. Nobody could have done this in a greater form than what Peter did. Jesus' resurrection, he comes and appears to his disciples two times before. Once on the road, I believe, to Emmaus, and another time he appeared into there, just walked through the wall, came into the house. Thomas said, I'm not going to believe it until I can touch those scars and feel those marks. Jesus showed himself alive after many infallible proofs, the word said at the end of chapter 20 of John. And then he comes to this place that he wants to meet with Peter because he knew where Peter would go. Peter would go back to the life that he had before he started. But he comes to Peter and when he sets Peter down, when he sets Peter down, he said, Peter, do you love me? Jesus, I know you love me. I want you to feed my lambs. Three things I believe real quickly that I believe everyone that he's asking, all he's asking us to do, All he's asking us to do, I believe, is to love him with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our mind. Just love him with everything that you've got in you. Here's the second thing I believe. All three, I'm not going to read through all those verses. My time is way over. Three things. The second thing was, out of that love, he was this. He said, Peter, I want you to trust my finished, completed work at the cross. You know when he said, thou art the Christ? He wasn't identifying him as the Savior that would take away the sin of the world. He was identifying him as a king that would come and rule, not understanding that he would be a priest that would come and offer a sacrifice that would be acceptable unto heaven. And Jesus had completed the work. May I tell every one of us in this room, I've been brought up in this all my life. I'm Pentecostal to the bone, whatever that means. I really don't know other than I speak in tongues and I believe in the working of the Holy Ghost. But a lot of people, it's become a religion. And unless you do certain things like this, but I'm here to declare to everybody in this room, you are not righteous by your labor of work. Not anything you could have done. You are only righteous by the finished work of Jesus at the cross. When he stretched his heaven, his hands out and said, it is finished. He declared you righteous even before you believed it. You'd be surprised how many of us don't believe it. Because we're still laboring. Still struggling in our walk. Because I'm just not good enough. Because if I don't see the finished work, I'll always see myself unworthy. And the way to get over unworthiness is the more I do, the more it will make me feel. The better it will make me feel about myself. And if I feel good about myself, then maybe I'm acceptable in the eyes of the Father. And the third thing he said, he said, Peter, you really want to show me your love? 
Just give away what I've given you. Just go give it away. Go help another Peter. Go help another one that denied. Go help another one that stepped out in faith and they started sinking. Go help another one that dared to believe but didn't understand. Go help another one that wanted to start this journey but doesn't know how to do it. Peter, just go. You really love me, Peter. Church, listen, this is God's greatest love. What he said, if you love me, if you'll love me, you'll not be ashamed to say I'm with him. If you love me, you'll not be ashamed to say I follow him. If you love me, you'll not be ashamed to say I talk like him. I I act like him. He's mine and I'm his. So this morning, whatever you can take away from this, I want you to know that you have been redeemed. The price has already been paid. And God is wanting to restore. And God will renew your heart and life.